0: Okay. It's
1: rolling.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Hey guys, welcome back to the Sweaty Palms Podcast. I'm your host Zoe Dylan, and today's guest is Ingo Stahl. Stahl, or Stahl.
0: I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Stahl Stahl. In, Stahl in German, but okay, I guess Stahl. Is a-
1: and that gives away where he's from. He's from Germany, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. This is the very first musician and i have on the podcast that is from europe and not within the u.s or based within the united states this is going to be really cool perspective that we have not heard before so let's let's get into it how's it going Inga?
0: good yeah yeah my last day in the u.s so no Uh, but um, i had a great time
1: what has been your favorite part of visiting the u.s this time around
0: i think showing my mom the yeah, yeah. because she came for the first time and she is 70 years old and she's really only been out of Europe once. Wow. Coming over with her and we visited my sister that now lives in Brooklyn, actually mm-hmm. in New York, showing her New York and then showing her Atlanta. Yeah, just seeing how she's taking it in, being so far away from home and all the little things are a little different uh-huh. um, from, you know, what people eat to how they say hi on the street or where they put their trash or you know all these tiny things that you don't even think about when you live in the country and i was really happy when we sat on the front porch and it was pretty loud and there was like all stuff you know because this is a you know it's a big city and stuff's happening and Mm -hmm. germans are very strict about noise and you know what neighbors are allowed to do how Uh how loud they can be and she sat on the porch here and was like I'm never going to explain again when our neighbors are too loud or anything, you know. <laughs> but in this way of my mind just opened up, yeah. and I realized how different it can be wherever you are, and that there's not just this range of uh, acceptable that I was used to for the last seventy years, and it, yeah. and it was cool because it just showed me what I hope traveling does to everyone is just opening their horizon and their mind and. Mm-hmm kind of seeing things differently and seeing their own life and their own place and their own country in a different perspective.
1: That's really beautiful. That should be encouraging to people who haven't traveled yet, but want to. Yes. Definitely very Mm -hmm. eye-opening. I totally agree with that. Just being able to travel around Europe. It's every country is a completely different way of life, which is really cool. And kind of what you mentioned, like, sure. It's for people who haven't been, it's all, um. Everybody thinks Europe is kind of not smushed together, but every country is closer mm. together. So you think there are a lot of similarities, but it's crazy how different it is when you go from one country to another, not yeah. only with language, but just, yeah, culture and everything. Yeah. Should we tell them how we know each other? Sure. Okay. Or we can leave it out. They can just wonder forever and never know.
0: Sure. We should hint. And then there's like a little quiz. And at the end, they have to like post on your Instagram, what they think, oh, how we know each other.
1: That's a good idea. We're just going to leave it at that. So you'll have to listen throughout the interview. And if we accidentally slip up and say it, then you'll know. But if not, then you have to guess. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Go. All right. Well, anyway, can we start with your background? And like, how did you get into music?
0: Sure. Well, I was just thinking of that song quote, music was my first love, Ah. (laughs) the John (laughs) Miles song. And I guess that's kind of sums it up. Like I was always really fascinated by music. Mm -hmm. I loved singing, listening to music as a three-year-old with my sister. I have an older sister in the car, you know, wherever. And I really, yeah, really always loved it. My parents, I guess, wanted both my sister and me to play one instrument. So whenever we were like, eight or nine they were like what instrument do you want to play i originally wanted to play the trumpet Ooh. but um i couldn't because i my lungs weren't developed enough i was born really early so mm-hmm. um they said like okay let's let's pick something else and then the guitar came yeah uh, so yeah i played guitar since i'm uh, nine years old loved listening to pop music i mean i had a very classical teacher it wasn't you know wasn't anything amazing so i would say it was never the The teachers are learning that really motivate me to to be in music, but just listening to it on the radio, my Mm -hmm. dad's vinyls and stuff. So um, I loved Elton John, Tracy Chapman, Sting, like all these singer-songwriters in in a way. And yeah, pretty early on, I knew I wanted to study music. And uh, the only way to really study, because I wanted to learn everything I could about music, but then also I dreamed of being a, you know, just a singer-songwriter writing my own songs. I think I wrote my first song when I was 12, Mm -hmm. a really simple song, but yeah, it kind of showed the way. And yeah, so I decided to study jazz music in Cologne, Germany. And if you want to study music, you can really only do classical or jazz in Mm -hmm. Germany, at least. I don't know what it's here. I guess pop music study programs are more and more um, coming. And, and, you know, even my study program was called Jazz Rock Pop, Mm -hmm. but it was still very much jazz which was fun. But over the course of my studies, I focused very much on my own music. And my bachelor's concert was just my own songs.
1: Oh, nice. Um, How long were you in the program?
0: A little longer than usual, because I I ended up actually first being in the teacher's program. And uh, Mm -hmm. in Germany, if you want to become a music teacher, you actually go to the same place as full-time professional musicians. So I started with that because it was easier to get in, it's a longer, it's a long story how I ended up in that. Um, I don't know if that's super interesting. Um, <laughs> You're just, welcome to
1: share if you want. <laughs>
0: well, it's like after my high school, I really wanted to to study music, but I knew they usually accept one or two people per mm-hmm. year in the, in the program. So a friend of mine was like, why don't you come to a little place called Oldenburg in Germany mm-hmm. and just study in the teacher program there, and then you have another year to prepare for the auditions. And mm-hmm. so that's what I ended up doing. Which was in a way, fine because I got you know to move out of my, my parents' house and stuff, mm. but it was also an awful program I hated going <laughs> to that school. Uh, I did math as my second oh. secondary um, subject, and so I had to, like I was in between math studies and having 22.5 minute lessons with a teacher because uh-huh. they, they calculated super exact and stuff. So I hated it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just knew I wanted to get out of Oldenburg as quickly as I could. So the plan was to, to go to Cologne, but apply for the teacher's program again, so that I had more chances of getting into that school and then switching within the school to the, to the artist program. Gotcha. And that's exactly what I did. I did the teacher's program for two years and then it was actually a lot of fun. I learned a lot but then I, it got to the point where you realize okay I'm I'm becoming a teacher, not a musician. And yeah. so uh I wanted to switch. I did one semester in a music academy in Helsinki, Finland. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. Oh, nice. And that was already the artist program and then I came back and applied for the Yeah, is it called the artist program? What do you say? Like um, art, the it's it was an undergrad st- study program it's just that the school was divided between the teacher program and then the what i called artist program okay now, yeah i, I would say
1: what, artist yeah. program then yeah
0: so yeah i was uh, i was the lucky one that they took and um then i finished that so all in all to answer your question i think uh six years from applying to the first study program to finishing my bachelor's which is a long time but
1: yeah so you mentioned like musical influences you had growing up, like mm-hmm. Bill Withers or not Bill Withers. I read also, your, also, I had your, actually, sp- yeah, I read your yeah, Spotify yeah, things. So that's why yeah. I thought of that. And I love Bill Withers too. But mm-hmm. um, so you mentioned Elton John, Sting, and Tracy Chapman. What got you into listening to them? And I know you kind of mentioned your dad in your Spotify bio.
0: That was also my Spotify. Brand. Okay, yeah, yeah I dad, did my research. My dad <laughs> had like a few vinyl records that he played again and again, and Bill Withers was, was one. one of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved it too. Yeah, what, what got me into those specifically, I don't even know. I think, well, actually, oh, no, that's not true. With Elton John, my sister gave me a Greatest Hits double Aww. album for my birthday when nice. I, I must have been 13 or something like that. Uh-huh. And at that point, I had already kind of taught myself how to play the piano a little bit, just in my free time. And mm-hmm. I always loved working with my hearing. So I, I was always listening to songs, trying to figure out how to play them myself. Mm-hmm. And... Back then, there also there was no internet. There was no you oh, know guitar weird. tabs or whatever. You just had to either buy these old school booklets of sheet music. They were written like classical music with like you know individual oh. notes and everything. And I couldn't really I couldn't <laughs> do that. I couldn't even read sheet music back then, like lead sheets. You know where you just have the chord symbols. Mm-hmm. So when I was twelve or thirteen, all I did was just listen to it and trying to play it. And I think that really trained my ear. And when I got the Elton John Greatest Hits, I basically fell in love with Rocket Man and Tiny Dancer. Like, as the first. I guess the first—I mean, I, because I think um, what's the famous one again? The, the super famous. Uh, it's a little bit funny.
1: The feeling is. Yeah, um,
0: exactly. Um, wait, hold on. What is that?
1: Uh, I have to wait to the- your song. Yeah, yes. your song. That's so cool. that
0: was, I think, the one I knew that was everywhere in the radio. But then mm-hmm. Tiny Dancer was still kind of new to me. And Rocketman, I think I'd never heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Great so songs. I just loved the production and the sound of everything. And then I, I figured out how to play the chords on the piano. And I loved that. And then I realized I'm not a tenor, I can't sing that high. (laughs) So I have to change the key to, you know, sing it, and it still sounded a little bit awful, I guess, but at least I tried. So yeah, and from then on, I was on an Elton John, I felt like the biggest Elton John fan for the music Mm -hmm. for the next four years, I think. I bought all the albums from the 70s, I listened to Mm -hmm. them all the time, played all the songs. Yeah, that was just, that was huge. And that really shaped me as, like, I think, how I like to write songs, how I work with harmonies, Mm -hmm. melodies, and everything.
1: So would you say he was your biggest influence at the time? Or if you have one influence overall that has guided you, would you say
0: him? Yeah, there are a few musicians over my whole lifetime, but uh, he was definitely the first and maybe even biggest influence, even though I wouldn't say you can hear that in my music very clearly. But that was maybe with like the first love you know the first love is also the most intense so that was my first musical love tracy chapman was definitely also a big influence and and jack johnson Mm -hmm. because they brought me to playing the steel string guitar Mm -hmm. because all my childhood when i was having guitar lessons it was classical guitar Mm -hmm. so nylon strings and right. classical pieces. We played a little bit of Beatles songs and oh, stuff, but nice. um, yeah. I had never played a steel string guitar until I was 19. And I bought one and, you know, realized that they sound completely different and yeah. you can actually play pop music. And at that time, Jack Johnson just came out with the oh, with the first album was everywhere. And, um, yeah. and I played those songs and, and loved it. So those were probably really big influences. And then a little bit later in my studies, John Mayer took me a little bit to fall in love with the music, actually. I, I remember a few friends showing me one or two songs in the very beginning, and I was like, hmm, yeah, okay, but uh-huh. I don't know. And then a few weeks later, it happens actually quite often to me that it takes me a little bit, and then it's like, "Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Nice. And then he was he was my hero for a while, so.
1: What would you describe your music as? Like, if you had to put it in a genre, or maybe like in one word, what would you say?
0: Yeah. Well, if I had to say one word, I would really just say singer-songwriter mm-hmm. because I think it sums it up without really telling you anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that's important because and I think, you know, you had guests on the show that talked about it. Also, that the genre question is always, yeah. you know, it, it always changes. And uh-huh. everyone also understands something completely different when they hear something, right. like a, a specific genre. And... I think it's really important to just let the artist play you a few songs or at least one song. And then it's whatever it is to you, mm-hmm. it is, you know, and singer songwriter for me is in the, at the heart of it is that I'm a singer and I'm also writing my own songs and mm-hmm. I'm presenting them to you. And that can be just with my guitar, super stripped down, or it can be with a full band, mm-hmm. because that also really changes how you would understand the genre you know i can Mm -hmm. play the same song by myself and you would probably say it's a folky acoustic singer-songwriter and then i can play it with my band and you would say it's kind of a indie pop act you know Mm -hmm. so it's tricky to answer but just saying singer-songwriter, maybe acoustic Mm -hmm. singer-songwriter,
1: What do you notice are the differences when you play by yourself versus when you play with your band? Like, how it feels when you play alone an acoustic gig versus when you play with your band?
0: It's very different, and both um, have very unique and great sides. Mm -hmm. When I play by myself, it's usually a more intimate setting to begin Mm -hmm. with, it's fewer people, smaller venues. And it can be a very beautiful, intimate evening spending with the audience. And you're really just telling them your story. I, I have these moments sometimes when I'm playing by myself in the middle of the song where my brain goes like, this is really weird. I'm just, <laughs> everyone's quiet. And I'm just basically talking, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm singing, but I'm still like, I'm just telling you something and everyone's just listening. It's really, it's really weird. And I, I appreciate it a lot. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm so grateful that everyone's just paying all this attention to me it's a little awkward too but you know <laughs> nice and then when I play with my full band usually I don't feel like I'm as connected to my audience mm-hmm. because they're a little further away sometimes further down you mm-hmm. know because you're a little higher up on stage but you get the the feeling of being with with other people like you can share the whole experience with your band members it's uh, exhilarating to just kind of look at them while they're playing their solos or, mm-hmm. or you just communicating and the whole I guess the intenseness of the event is bigger the audience is louder like Mm -hmm. everything's bigger more cheerful and that's really cool there's a different high i guess Mm -hmm. to it
1: do you have a personal preference for which one you like or is it different for different times I know that's kind of like a who's your favorite artist ever it's like you don't have that answer it's just mm-hmm. it's different and I think
0: it's like with food you know it's like I have a favorite food but if I have to eat it every day then at some point I really want something else so yeah, okay. yeah no I, I couldn't answer that I lived in Copenhagen for a while and played only solo shows for years mm-hmm. and um, that was fun but that was a lot of that and then when i got back to germany and I had a few shows where i could bring my whole band that was really that was wonderful and then Mm -hmm. you know after that you play a solo show again you're like oh yeah this is also really nice So, no it's hard to answer
1: okay why did you move to copenhagen
0: well i finished my studies in 2012 Mm -hmm. um and i knew i wanted to leave cologne as a city like Mm -hmm. it wasn't really the place i wanted to to be and my girlfriend at the time got a orchestra job in mm-hmm. Copenhagen so I was like hey I'll just move to Copenhagen for a few months see then we're closer together and I can see if I like the scene mm-hmm. because I heard that that there's a kind of active amateur semi-professional singer-songwriter scene that yeah that's fun to be around and yeah I moved there and it was a lot of fun there there Almost every day of the week, there's a songwriter night Mm -hmm. where you can play. And I got booked relatively quickly to not just play on the open mic parts, but really just play parts of the sets. I got a little hotel gig where I was uh, doing background music. And I still had my band in Germany at the time, Last Bird, we were called. And every two months or so, I would travel to Hamburg and then be with them and play some shows. So it, it felt good at the time. Yeah, I guess it was.
1: How long were you living there for?
0: Four and a half years.
1: Okay. This is just kind of a question that relates to your music, but it's just more about culture too, Mm -hmm. cultural differences. Did you notice a big difference from when you were in Cologne versus when you were in Copenhagen versus when you were in Hamburg? Was it hard to adjust to living in Copenhagen if you didn't know Danish fluently. I know a lot of people in Europe do speak English, but it's still not like yeah. the native language of Denmark, obviously. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, definitely. And it is, yeah, even though I guess sometimes maybe from the outside, like from a U.S. perspective, Europe is like so, everything's so close and mm-hmm. everyone's so close together. But it's still, if you move to another country within Europe, you're a foreigner. You know, yeah. You're, yeah, it's a uh, completely it's, different you're culture. Very much Uh, You have the same experience, I guess, than than any foreigner moving to a a new country. And yeah, I felt that. I mean, the program is kind of nice when you you apply for citizenship. No, not citizenship, but if you basically get your allowance to live in a country, they Mm -hmm. also give you free language classes. And they help you a little bit to fit in and uh, try to make your way, you know, making friends and stuff. But it's still... The same uh, as everywhere you you move and you're pretty lonely and it's hard to make friends and Danes mm-hmm. are very friendly when you first meet them but somewhat closed off when it comes to more serious friendships so mm-hmm. in all those years I barely had like really nice deeper conversations with Danes it was mm-hmm. mainly other foreigners that were yeah, my friends that's and that was cool but yeah and that and also relates to music all the the gigs the ways of finding your way into a club you know maybe play a better paid gig that was very difficult hardly doable for me even though I would feel like there were some people some Danes in the music scene that really tried to help me out but mm-hmm. it's it's a small country there's already to begin with you know not too many clubs overall because copenhagen is maybe yeah one of the two bigger cities in denmark Mm -hmm. and that's it and it's hard i mean as a musician it's really hard to make a living in general and then as a foreigner in denmark yeah that was
1: tough and just to put it into perspective for some people who've never been to denmark my sister dated a guy and he said he was taking a trip to visit the other side of his country and it was 45 minutes for him to drive to the other side of the country <laughs> so it's a really really small country yeah, small so country. you can imagine from what Ingo's saying like Copenhagen is the biggest city in Denmark yeah. as opposed to the other one that's still not very big I think it's smaller would it be would you say it's smaller than Atlanta or around the same size Oh it's way
0: smaller way smaller than yeah, Atlanta It's not okay. even there are not even a million people in Copenhagen Yeah so de- all of all of Denmark <laughs> has less people than Metro Atlanta
1: Yeah that's that's insane <laughs> I've never been to Copenhagen but uh, my sister's lived in um, Arus, I think yeah. is how you pronounce it. And that we, we were in that city for a weekend, and, and it was it was pretty small there too, but really, really cool country, like yeah. you said. When you decide to choose a language to sing in, and obviously you chose English from what you've posted on Spotify, what was the decision that made you want to do that? Yeah. As opposed to singing in German?
0: That's a good question. It's an interesting question, I guess, because uh, I get that asked in Germany too, uh-huh. obviously. There is, a, I mean, for people who maybe have never heard any german music or german radio stations Uh it's divided so there are a lot of germans who sing in german and then there are quite a lot of germans who sing in english Mm -hmm. and over the last 20 30 years there have been phases of what's more popular so Mm -hmm. well maybe i'll come back to that later but for Mm -hmm. for me personally the thing is all the music i listened to when i was a kid basically was english Uh everyone was british or american and so for me, that wasn't even really a question until maybe at some point I, I realized, okay, yeah, they're not just uh, children's songs that, that that aren't German. There's also like real music that's also German. Mm-hmm. But all of the music I loved was in English. So that was just like the instrument that singers used to mm-hmm. sing, you know. And I see it that way. If you change the language, you kind of change your instrument because the language has very distinct features about what vowels and consonants it uses and how it sounds and how you can work with it and stuff. So for me, English was always set. The problem was only that I didn't know English when I was 8 or 10 or 12. Uh-huh, right, and yeah. I wrote the first song. So I would just make up sounds that sound like English. Uh-huh. And that's how I would write my songs, you know, just like doing fantasy language uh-huh. uh, that's somewhat English-sounding to me, probably uh-huh. not for an English-speaking person. <laughs> and then later, as I knew a little bit of English... I was just going to still use words and put words in there that are real and then combine them with not existing sounds and words and then just, yeah, just still keep making uh, fantasy phrases and writing my music like that because I liked the way that it sounded. And I guess I'm also, I have to say, I was never looking at music from a very... Poetic standpoint to begin with it was the music itself that fascinated me. So Mm -hmm. lyrics came later I always wrote and I still I'm still like that. I always write the music first Mm -hmm. usually at least and then I'm inspired by you know kind of some sounds I did because I still do that now sometimes Mm -hmm. that I write like that with fantasy English and then I, I know what kind of vowels and sounds I like and then I'm trying to write lyrics that Incorporate that but also make sense and I love writing lyrics now. It's hard still for Mm me I think it's it's just difficult to write good lyrics But do you um,
1: think you're at a disadvantage because English isn't your native language?
0: I'm sure I am. Yes, I have to work harder, and I hope it's not standing in the way. I mean, that's the big but and the big fear when mm-hmm. you decide as a German to to really go with English for your music, because I don't want to be the guy who's singing songs and everyone who listens to it is like, it's really nice, but the lyrics kind of you know, it's uh. like either it sounds really bad the way I'm singing it, or they just they're too simple and and too. A childlike
1: just from sorry to interrupt but yeah. just from my perspective you're i mean you're like completely fluent like 100 110 fluent <laughs> in english Thanks. so and then when i listened to your music i haven't run into that at all i just think okay. your lyrics are fantastic and and you're speaking and everything so just from Thank my you. perspective Thank you, you know really that. nice
0: <laughs> i appreciate it <laughs> yeah. i mean i guess sometimes it helps a little bit that it's music because i'm sure i'm you know throughout the interview i'm probably I made a number of mistakes and stuff, uh, but with music, it's Mm -hmm. also poetry, so you get away with a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But there's also a flip side to it because when you come up with something that's poetic but a little weird, and you're not a native speaker, Mm -hmm. a lot of times people will say, ooh is that, Oh, that's wrong. He's uh-huh. not a native speaker. Like, he did he did a mistake there. Uh-huh. Whereas if, you know, you as an American would do the same thing, yeah. no one would be like, oh, you don't know English. Like, yeah. you made a mistake. It was like, oh, interesting. This sounds kind of weird. Yeah. But they must have meant it because they know what they're doing. Right. So I'm kind of caught in between proving that I know the language well mm-hmm. and not make silly mistakes. But then if I want to do something unusual, how do I prove that I wanted that you know so it's a little bit of a fine line you always have to find and that's also a little bit limiting sometimes in how weird your lyrics can be But uh but i have to get over it and just let go what other people think and you know yeah and that's what i'm trying to do and i think it works
1: we can just link them to this podcast and they can hear how wonderful you talk and they're like (laughs) oh okay yeah he's fluent i don't know what i'm talking about i'm an asshole (laughs) yeah and that'll fix that problem real fast (laughs) yeah
0: you got some listeners yeah
1: Going way back when you are talking about your musical influences and playing classical guitar and then transitioning to steel guitar, uh, how was the transition on your fingers? I'm just curious because my friend played classical guitar and mm. I played her guitar and I was like, why didn't I start with this? Because my fingers when I first started with with the steel steel strings killed me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think, yeah, that probably really helps and, I, and that might be a reason why it's still so common for every... Um, guitar beginner to start with a classical guitar, at least mm-hmm. when you when you go to music school, and I teach at a music school in Hamburg too, mm-hmm. um, yeah, usually they come with their first tiny classical guitar and that's how you start. I don't think that's necessarily the, the good way to always go about it because uh, there are a lot of students that are 14 and they start and they bring that classic guitar and I'm like, you want to to do pop music, let's get yeah. yeah, a steel string, let's start right with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it might be harder on the fingers. I don't remember having lots of pain or anything like that, probably because it's been such a long time that I already played. <laughs> but I mean, maybe a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the trick is also to change your strings often enough and people don't do that. They play oh. with their strings for like a year or two and then they're like... How Oops.
1: often should you change them? Because uh, well, it really
0: do. depends how often you play, Okay. and if there's anything in the where you have your guitar where they just rust by itself. Because they will, the strings will rust from the sweat of your fingers. Okay, um, they're they're going to get dirty, greasy, and and they rust because they get wet every time you play. Right.
1: Um, it's going to be especially bad for me. <laughs>
0: so if you play a lot, there are people who change their strings every week. Uh-huh. Uh, if you play somewhat a lot, you know. I mean, there have been times where I change them every two, three, four weeks. Wow. Uh, some people do it every six months. Uh, I mean, I would say for someone who's just occasionally playing, or someone who you know plays twice a week or something, you can probably leave them on for a year and then mm-hmm. change them. But y- you should just look at them. Uh, that's that's the best thing to tell anyway. Just look at your strings. Uh, go down uh, one of the bass strings that has the metal around it, and then mm-hmm. see if you see dark spots and like coloring if you do that if you see that then it's time it. to change em. yeah got it and that's hard on your finger because all these tiny rust particles kind of get under your skin and they mm-hmm. rub it uh, they kind of break break the skin and that's what really hurts Then playing the guitar so training right. your strings often would help that helps your fingers,
1: and then getting the calluses from you know after playing from just doing it, time. yeah, a yeah.
0: little bit every day.
1: I go in phases where I'll play for a long time, and then I'll get the calluses, and then I'll stop playing, and then they'll go away, yeah. and then I have to like redo the process. Mm-hmm. So I just need to be consistent with it.
0: I feel you though; that happens to me too.
1: Okay, good. Um, well, not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> we no, feel no, the same that's, that's part.
0: Of, that's part of playing guitar.
1: Yeah. Did you find you've taken more, more inspiration from American culture and music? European or is it a mix? And I know we've kind of already talked about what you grew up listening to and how you gravitated toward English Mm singer-songwriters, but do you have any European influences or music that you really like and has that pulled into how you play now at all?
0: Well, yeah, I th- I have to say I think for a long time I've been somewhat ignorant even um, where the people are from. You know, uh-huh. sometimes in in Europe you have this phenomenon that maybe it seems weird for Americans, but like with English uh, names and English artists, uh-huh. uh, English sounding names, we don't know if they're English or American often okay. or Australian. You know, they yeah, just sound yeah. you know. So Sting was someone that I didn't really know for uh-huh. a while where they're from when I was younger, mm-hmm. and then. Damien Rice was someone I I really listened to. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of British and and Irish and Scottish Mm -hmm. artists that have influenced me, but that's really the region in Europe usually the only one because French music is usually French. (laughs) Uh, They they sing a lot in French Uh and same in Spain and stuff. So it's it's that UK region.
1: I remember what I wanted to say earlier because this reminds me of that, but just when you were talking about living in Copenhagen and how difficult it is to move to a new place hmm. i can't even imagine adding on the fact of having to learn a completely different language and it being something that is like obviously very prevalent and you have to know because just thinking about when i moved from high school to college i switched places just in georgia i had to completely start over but at least i knew the language mm-hmm. <laughs> i can't imagine having to deal with that like moving somewhere new and then also being like oh i don't know what people are saying like 95% of the time or whatever because English is not the dominant language Yeah, um, and I definitely feel like maybe you would have like I mean obviously there are cultural differences just within the US and when you go from the south to the north to the midwest all these things that you have to think about but when you're a completely different country that's a completely different culture and you don't have at least one unifying factor of, of a common language
0: yeah so. yeah that's true I mean luckily Danes really speak English really well mm-hmm. so you get away with that but I mean at some point I had to take a waiter job too because Uh it just wasn't enough money I could make with music alone, and I had to speak Danish all day, so that was definitely a challenge, but also fun. I mean, I I like that. I like languages, but yeah, it's rough.
1: That just is a testament to how strong you are, though, because I mean, you just you did what you could do because you love music. So you took a waiter job and you spoke Danish and learned the language to submerge yourself and be a part of that culture. So that's just really cool. I am amazed by that so oh. i would like to do that one day hopefully soon
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean yeah i guess it just you know it was all of it. Is, it's not really it's never planned i think just uh-huh. things happen and um, i really had the choice of leaving the country again uh-huh. and potentially you know ending the relationship and everything or just kind of making it work so yeah. it helps if you have some pressure and, and <laughs> you just need to do it and yeah. uh, you no, know, my first day was rough but you get over it and that's also cool and gives you strength yeah uh, definitely. because then you learn that you can do these kind of things and, and you'll get over it so. right
1: you you stick in you don't give up four years is that's a long time so that's really cool anyway just like
0: yeah no yeah, yeah, thanks i so. cool. appreciate yeah. it yeah, yeah you should do, you should <laughs> find an experience like that now
1: yeah, yeah one, one day i'll have to do it with spanish because that's the only language i kind of swear yeah, oh yeah totally yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you moved to hamburg what was that transition like for you going from Copenhagen, and what was it like getting back into the music scene? And can you explain or describe to you what the music scene is like in Hamburg?
0: It was a really nice transition, I have to say. I felt a little bad realizing just because I think moving back to Germany, that that was the point where I realized the most how difficult it was to be a foreigner Mm -hmm. because I came back to Germany, and suddenly everything was so much more easy. Uh It also helped that Hamburg is, it's the second biggest city in Germany, and it's a big music scene. And I already had a lot of friends Mm -hmm. in that city because my former band was based in in Hamburg. Mm -hmm. Plus, I'd been on this pretty famous pop workshop um, that happens every year for the last 30 years in Germany, and it's Mm -hmm. in Hamburg, where a lot of musicians all over Germany come together and form bands and meet and and hang out for six weeks and just kind of you know it's like a big summer camp in a way mm-hmm. no. uh, but then it's all about music you have lessons every day you have band rooms where everyone can just jam and a lot of famous German bands formed through that cool. uh, workshop and I'd done that a few years before I moved back mm-hmm. so I came to Hamburg and there was a network of people lots of opportunity and I felt really bad because I I just felt so much more for everyone who's living uh, as a foreigner in, in any country and they mm-hmm. don't have the option to move back to their country and they're still trying to make it mm-hmm. because it's just so much harder. And anyway, so I appreciate it uh, uh, even more and I very quickly got the chance to play you know, support gigs and, and little shows here and there. And mm-hmm. it kind of took off from there for the, the first year especially. I was just really playing all over the place and doing a lot of cool stuff. So that was awesome.
1: Is there a favorite performance that you've had in your whole career? Is there one that you could think of that stands out?
0: I think my bachelor's concert was really nice because it was the end of my studies. Mm-hmm. It was only my own music. I had a somewhat big band, so not just um, you know usually it's three other musicians. it's a it's another guitarist, bassist and a, a drummer. And that day I had an organ player and like a double bass, electric bass. Then mm-hmm. I had like a violin. I had two background singers. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, it was it was a really big setup. Plus the venue in Cologne is a really wonderful venue where um, the band is in the middle. And then all around 360 degrees is mm-hmm. the audience. So, you know, there's no one side where, where there's just a backstage. Mm-hmm. And you just... You feel like you're kind of hugged by the audience on all sides and mm-hmm. they're all are part of it and that was really that was a beautiful concert and it was yeah so much fun to play and then also really nice to see all the people coming out and, and supporting me that's awesome mm-hmm.
1: i wish you could have been there but uh we definitely did not know each other back then <laughs> no
0: we did not Yeah.
1: <laughs> i wonder what you were doing or what i was doing at the time that you were performing your concert
0: It was 20, wait, whoa. Wait, you're, is it 20? It was 2012. Okay,
1: I was 13. Yeah. So I was probably in middle school, in class, while you're performing.
0: Yeah, crazy. exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We haven't mentioned that you're an independent artist yet, but I'd love to talk about that. What does being an independent artist mean to you?
0: Um, (laughs) that's a tricky question. Yeah. Um, I guess it kind of, uh, the question is, did I choose to be an independent artist or not? (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's maybe the better one. (laughs) Um,
0: But so I had my fair share of experiences with major labels, Mm -hmm. and they weren't very positive. Gotcha. So
1: Unfortunately, I hear that's the case for a lot of artists.
0: Yes, yes. Some funny stories. I was actually almost part of a band. I was casted for a an acapella boy band what uh, how come i have just hearing about this yeah, now yeah. well, it's kind of an interesting part of my life so <laughs> i got a phone call from this guy that i knew from my studies in cologne and uh-huh. um he was a teacher there so he was like yeah so i have this interesting uh thing warner music wanted to do this whoa okay uh, this boy band and it's acapella and uh you know are you interested i was like uh not really i'm you know i'm writing my own music i want to do my own stuff yeah. but he he got me because he was like you know i think you should still come because through the whole auditioning process and everything you can pitch your own music to the guys ah, and okay. then maybe even if that doesn't work out you can do your own yeah you know maybe they're interested in doing something with you so we all met up in Sneaky. berlin i think it was and you know i had to perform this one song like we recorded a little demo and stuff and in the end I got a phone call they were like yeah they, they want to do it they want to do wow. it we kind of want you as the lead and then there were four other guys and I really didn't know what to say I was super nervous and I knew I didn't want to want to do it Mm -hmm. but at the same time that was the closest uh, yeah it's it's interesting it was an an interesting experience to be offered this thing that you don't want Mm -hmm. but it's also you know that other people would want it yeah so you suddenly doubt yourself of just saying no to it you know because i could have potentially you know made a bunch of money and maybe other opportunities would arise but i did turn it down in the end Mm -hmm. and then they told me that basically that's now the whole thing falls apart because I didn't say yes. And uh-huh. uh, I never heard from them again and heard another weird story months later that they never called some other people back, uh-huh. even though they told them it's going to happen. So it was fishy and weird, and yeah. I'm very glad it didn't happen. But that mm-hmm. was one of the experiences, you know. Then um, And yeah, in general, unfortunately, the business is uh, it's a lot about money. It's not really about music. Mm-hmm. And being an English-speaking Singer-songwriter in Germany is generally tricky when it comes to you know trying to be successful because there's not really a market and an audience for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier that there are phases in Germany where English or German is kind of the main language in music. And for the last 15, 20 years, German really has been the, the language that everyone switched back to. So a lot of artists were already somewhat famous and mm-hmm. they sang in English. And then German just became this trend. So all the English speaking German artists transitioned into also speaking German, mm-hmm. which I also find i oh, it's interesting it's um, I mean, I guess you can do it, but you don't hear that a lot with American artists that you know they sing in English and then they transition into singing in French or something right. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of weird because it sounds different, everything's different, but it was it was so dictated by the business that that's the thing to do now that mm-hmm. I got that a lot, like well, if you sang in German, mm-hmm. then maybe we could offer you something. And I never wanted to do that because, you know, I explained how yeah. I feel about English. And so it's kind of tricky there. And that's why I ended up just finding a small label in the UK mm-hmm. because they're fine. They like it. They try to support me the way they can. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that I'm not working with anyone in Germany. Yeah, it
1: seems like you were facing a lot of pressure to do something. And it was pushing it against who you felt you were as an artist and what you wanted to do. So, I mean, I think it's great to stick by. What you feel is right for you and' yeah. yeah, that's honestly kind of the best way to go because you can look back on it and be like, well, I don't regret that because I did what was best for me and you know however it turns out is how it turns out, but
0: yeah I, exactly I chose
1: my own path. So in the US there are several different types of record deals. there's PPD, SLRP, profit split, label services, etc. Do you know what are some common types of deals that are in Europe like major label deals?
0: Um, well, major label deals are usually ha- differently than indie label deals. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, but there's, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if I'm if I can give you all the information that would be interesting from uh-huh. a European perspective. Uh, I know that it used to be the case that you would get a very small portion of the of the actual profit you know mm-hmm. it would be like 80 20 or 90 10 or something yeah. uh, in favor for the label but then you would get quite a big sum of money up front if mm-hmm. you sign the deal and then that's how you know they, they recoup over time you don't really see a lot of money mm-hmm. for a while but those times have kind of i mean maybe some major labels still do that but mm-hmm. it's definitely changed more to profit split scenario okay. in most of the cases as far as i know and especially in the indie label world yeah it is uh, it's a lot of time it's 50 50 right uh, profit split
1: just from uh, the program that i was in we learned that indie labels seem to be way way more favor the artist and cater to the artist or the musician or songwriter and they care more about who they're signing definitely if you're comparing it to like a major label major label is more money-hungry
0: yeah I think you're working more together with the label Mm -hmm. if in the indie world obviously the downside is they don't really have a lot of money right (laughs) so they can't really push you as much they can't really support you as much Mm -hmm. and there's often no advance at all Mm -hmm. so you really you kind of go on a journey together and both parties just put in what they can put in but there's no money for for anyone in the beginning and then you're basically just you're partnering up and and trying together to to do something whereas with a major label they really have the money they're sitting on the money and then they decide to either use you to make more or not so Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very different approach yeah i wonder sometimes what kind of major label deal i would have even said yes to Mm -hmm. (laughs) if if at all
1: right i guess there are pros and cons to both sides like everything in life Yeah. so this is part of the interview where I want to dissect one of your songs. Ooh, okay. Um, cool. So your top listed song on Spotify is called Fire. Can you tell me about what the inspiration was behind writing this song?
0: Oh yeah, maybe I can. Maybe that can be another hint on uh, how we know each other. Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: excited.
0: <laughs> so, um, well, the song was inspired by a person that uh-huh. you know very well. Yes, I do. And I had uh, met her a couple weeks earlier, I guess, mm-hmm. and just. Um, you know, I just had to let out my feelings and yeah. I. Uh, uh, it's it's funny because the very first demo of that song is extremely slow and sad sounding. Oh, really? Uh, it, and it's partially because, you know, it's the riff isn't extremely easy to play. You have to stretch your hands quite a bit and I had just figured it out. So in songwriting, usually your first demos are a little slower just because you haven't practiced as much. Right. yet. But then listening to it, it's, it's this very whiny way in which I'm singing. And there, you know, <laughs> there are some parts that I then later change. But it's funny now listening to the to the produced song, and it's so much more up-tempo and just kind of energetic. Uh-huh. That's not really how it felt in the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a love song, and it is kind of sad, but at the same time also very full of energy and, and sparks and mm-hmm. this fiery feeling, you know, mm-hmm. so... Yeah.
1: I'm curious, can we hear a little bit of the demo of it?
0: I, I do. I should have it on my phone. Okay. But I you need to give me a second to... to
1: oh, no, no, that's it. totally fine. Yeah. Um, Take your time. This is exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I find that very interesting sometimes going through my old recordings and then... Because often when I, when I write something, I record, you know, a voice memo with it just mm-hmm. to not forget it. But then usually I don't because I keep playing it every day. And over days or weeks, it just evolves into the finished song. Mm-hmm. And what I don't realize sometimes is how much in that time it still changed from the first voice memo. Just by just playing it again and again and every day, you know, like tweaking tiny things uh-huh. subconsciously. And then sometimes when I recorded the song and I go back to the voice memo, I'm like, this is how it started oh oh and there was this melody that you know never made it into the song or this part so it's it can be very interesting to go back see how it develops so let's see fire fourth of july oh fourth of july oh nice Uh, 2016
1: sad boy hours are about to start (laughs) Uh
0: okay let's see (laughs) I'm singing in your groove you're loving like we feet change change old I'm holding love to your train I keep calling in your eyes But know everyone's alive And I know it's strange to call in your face But I'm fooling in your nose But I'm dreaming like we fall. And you know I hold in rain to you at
1: i find that really interesting um hearing the progression of how where you start with the song and where you end uh-huh. there, there the taylor swift documentary that she made during a covid and talking about folklore you got to see the transition of where something started and where mm-hmm. it finished i think it would be so cool if somebody released an album of the same song, yeah. but how it changed throughout yeah. the process. And you could see like, that would just be a really cool idea. Yeah.
0: And it's also, I think with songs, you definitely sometimes get to a crossroads where you have to decide, am I taking it this way yeah. or that way? Uh-huh. And I mean, I guess every once in a while, an you know, artist releases a song and they have maybe an alternate version. Yeah. But doing that more extreme, you know, like taking this demo and really going down this... The slow dark road and fully producing it in Uh that way and then also going the other way and then maybe even having another version i agree that'd be really really interesting and sometimes it's hard to make the decision as a songwriter Uh and producer in the way then um because i I did co-produce the the ep Mm -hmm. to say like okay this is probably what's better right now let's just go with this and then scrap all the other ideas that still are beautiful and you maybe Mm -hmm. think ah this could also be cool but you just have to make decisions sometimes you can't have it all so
1: I would be at a standstill because I have such a hard time making decisions
0: (laughs) Oof. yeah (laughs) well deadlines and working Um, with other people helps I did um produced the ep with two friends uh, in cologne actually back in cologne that's oh, funny yeah nice. even yeah. though i didn't live there anymore uh-huh. that's that's where i recorded it and produced it and it helps just having two more opinions in the room kind of having to have that conversation but then also just very clearly getting certain feedback of they agree that this is the best and then you can just like okay then i'll, I'll trust you let's just go with that and you can always the next day, go back, listen to something you did and be like, oh, nope, no, it's really not working. We have to do it again. We have to change it. But I learned that even though it's important to listen to your initial feeling about certain things, sometimes you just need to give it a little bit of time too, because you can be too much in your head at some point. And mm-hmm. then, so I've had that with vocal recordings where I wasn't sure if I'm happy with it and everyone else was like, it sounds wonderful. Like, yeah, we can totally just leave it like that. And then uh, this one thing bothers me and then I give it a day or two and I listen to it and I'm like, wait, where was the thing that bothered me? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't hear it anymore. But being by yourself, recording and doing everything by yourself, which now a lot of people do too, I think you have to be very good at making decisions and being disciplined in that way, or you have a hard time really getting stuff finished. Yeah, I right. feel you. Yeah,
1: I feel like maybe um, the only way I can apply it in my situation is when I'm going through and editing an episode of the podcast. I, after I listen to something enough times, it all starts to sound the same, so I have to Go away. Take a day. Come back and then re-edit it again. And I think I get to a point where I'm like, I just so want to release this. Mm. I don't. It's gonna sound how it's sounding right now. This Mm. is how I want it to sound. I can't edit it or fix anything anymore.
0: And the thing is, people usually also are totally fine with it, right? I mean, you then you talk to people and they're like, Yeah, what? What what bothered you? Like, I love it. It's all good. Like, you know. And you're like, What? No, but but this this little thing. It's like, Yeah, but that's fine because they're also they're focused on what it's really about which is what you're saying what you're talking about mm-hmm. or with music the, you know the, the song itself not right. the recording there's and I like that it's coming back a little bit that artists record also songs in some ways where it just sounds very real again like Lee Fulbeck is as one of my favorite musicians he's a Canadian singer-songwriter too I would say and when you listen to his stuff it's so full with like someone hitting the piano and it's <laughs> you know and then like something's a little offbeat, or it's more like you put a mic in a room and then the band just plays and mm-hmm. whatever it was it was you know singing off key the backing vocals being a little late all doesn't matter all just doing it mm-hmm. and i think that's a really nice approach to go back to because especially now with digital and everything we can do we're so focused on making everything perfect mm-hmm. that you sometimes forget what it's really about and i think that applies to not just music to, to everything and mm-hmm. that's it's important to go back and realizing what it's really about
1: i think that's a really nice way to i mean put it I, yeah i think perfectionism trying to attain that it that i think you lose the beauty in what being unique is you know you guys couldn't see that but I did like a finger gun at Ango. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, is that enough? Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's <laughs> interesting
1: to hear you talk about that. So, when you write, when you're sitting down to write a song like do you find y- moments in where you want to write something like when you have a muse or or somebody that you want to sing about or is your writing process kind of more like you go with the flow with things? Like when do you think is your best work produced?
0: When my life is crazy oh okay <laughs> so I yeah that, that's I have to what, yeah, preface sorry. that with for me songwriting has always been something very personal and almost therapeutic I, I never I mean even though I had dreams more so as a, as a child of being you know famous and yeah. on big stages it was mainly when I needed to go through something or when I needed to just kind of wor- work on how I'm feeling or just let it out that's when I would grab my guitar and sing and play. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like my way of writing a diary. Nice. Uh, so that's why a lot of my songs are about real things or real feelings that happen to me. I'm mm-hmm. not really one that just sits in a chair and thinks of all these worlds and makes things up and then, you know, writes songs about it. I usually has to come from somewhere within me. Mm-hmm. And that's why, unfortunately, for my output, sometimes it's like the more stable and wonderful and happy my life is the less I feel like I just need to write something I need to write about it and in times where everything's just crazy and I don't know what's going on and I'm you know emotionally I'm like on a roller coaster that's Mm -hmm. when I just write a lot because I I need to have something to hold on to Mm -hmm. and so it makes complete sense that this song and a few other songs On that EP that's coming out and um in my mind is already released Mm -hmm. they all came from a time where it was very intense and Mm -hmm. i had a lot of different emotions
1: can we talk about your EP a little more yeah yeah so let's talk about it
0: what do you want to know yeah
1: when's it coming out what how many songs are on it what's your favorite song off it Maybe I should ask this one at a time, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I can answer all those questions, though. Uh, well, actually, I can't because the the actual date for the EP itself, the release date, is mm-hmm. not quite set. So probably by the time you release this interview, okay. maybe you can have a little note because yes. by then you you might know. Right now, it's still not 100% set. Mm-hmm. But on 17th of June... The third single is going to come out, which is called All Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's two more songs on the EP. So it's five songs. We actually recorded six. One will either be B-side or, you know, released a little bit later independently. We'll see about that. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a five slash six song EP coming some point after June (laughs) (laughs) 17th.
1: Nice. Do you have a favorite song off of the EP?
0: Um. Yeah, if I'm completely honest, my favorite song is probably in my mind.
1: Okay, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a good one. I've listened to it on repeat a couple times. Maybe cried in my room. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just love sad songs. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, usually my favorite songs of other artists are also the slower, sadder uh-huh. songs. Would you classify um,
1: yourself as a sad boy? Um, partially, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, more so than like a super happy. Yeah. Uh, extroverted crazy positive person all the time yeah <laughs> there, i have both in me but yeah
1: there's like a i don't know if it's like a tiktok trend or how it started i can't remember anymore but like there's something called sad boy hour where you only listen to like sad songs and so mm-hmm. i don't know There are people classifying c- putting guys in categories of like an e-boy sad boy or oh. whatever so i guess i mean in that sense oh um, i don't know what that yeah i don't right. know <laughs> but i just thought it was funny yeah. um Oh, shoot, I had something, another question for that. Oh, yeah, can we talk about your music video, too? Because you have a really funny story connected to trying to record one or film one. You're talking about in the water.
0: I'm trying to figure out how to Yes.
1: Yeah, can we talk about that? Because that story is just hilarious.
0: Sure. So... For my second single, in my mind, I wanted to film a very different music video than the one before of Fire, because Fire is this one-shot video, mm-hmm. it's a, it has a very different vibe, it's just a single shot, and I wanted to have a completely different feel, so we decided to go to Denmark mm-hmm. in um, March this year, and it was still very cold. And I I had these images of me being by the beach. I wanted the video to be in black and white. Mm -hmm. And there's also a scene where I'm in the water. And we looked up the temperatures. It was like, I hope I say this right in Fahrenheit. I think it was around 35 degrees Fahrenheit. So very cold, very cold water. And I had already had to lie on the wet sand for a while you know in just a little jacket and everything so i was all mm-hmm. really cold but for this one scene i really needed to go into the water so i got a wetsuit and like shoes that i get they're waterproof and stuff so i was actually really surprised once i got in the water that it was totally fine but uh-huh. then we also needed to lip sync so the person that connects both of us was uh, also there and holding the Bluetooth speaker just so we could listen to the music uh-huh. and as I'm in the water and the the camera guy is also in the water and we're like shaking and it's it's yeah. pretty tricky the, the Bluetooth connection to the speaker just drops because she's too far away because she's yeah. in, on the safe sand right yeah I mean, she's far away so I just gesture like, just come, come closer, come closer. Because to, for me, from my side, it looked like there was still lots of sand that she could walk through. She had like little, like shoes with a the, with the higher. What do you call those? Like rain boots. Your yeah, rain boots, yeah. exactly. Uh, so I felt like yeah, you, you could definitely come closer, but she couldn't hear me, so I just would like wildly gesture like come. Also, I have to say that we were running out of time because the sun was setting. Uh-huh. It was it had already set. Plus the battery, the big battery on the end of the camera. Uh-huh was blinking because it was oh, about to die. No. So I was just like, just come here. Yeah, And she's like, I can't. But I didn't know what she meant, So and I didn't really hear her. So at some point, she decided, sure, she has to sacrifice and just to yeah. come. And the moment she walks towards me, I realize that the sandbank just dips down again, and she's just submerged totally in water. All the water gushes into her rain boots. Whoa. And I see her face. I'm like, "Ooh, this is bad." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but she did it. We actually filmed the shot, and that was the shot we we needed. So, without that, we couldn't have finished the video. Uh huh. And the camera dies wow. perfectly in time. Nice. We all get out and she's just she can't move her feet anymore because yeah it's like, that was too cold <laughs> you
1: what know? was the car ride back Sacrifice. like yeah the things uh, you do to make art yeah
0: yeah well i kind of you know had to very carefully rub the little toes and yeah it, it all hurt uh and <laughs> luckily we had some i think we had a hot water bottle in the car or nice, something like that just in case. and the airbnb where we stayed wasn't too far away so okay, we could awesome. warm up That was a rough shoot, but so much fun, and I'm so happy with the result. Yay!
1: Mm. You guys check it out. We're going to have links to all of Ingo's music and everything in the description, and we'll talk about where you can hear stuff. He's on Spotify, Apple Music, what else? What other platforms?
0: Oh, deezer uh, Tidal, I think all those streaming platforms okay, really awesome I hope
1: yeah I, I looked at <laughs> it I just can't I can't remember what Amazon music too I think or Am- yeah, something for yeah, Amazon yeah. I'll, I'll link it, it all be below so it
0: with your f- whatever your favorite yeah. streaming services yeah yay okay mm-hmm. awesome
1: this is good this is very good you mentioned in my mind a couple times do you want to talk about the songwriting process for that song as well
0: uh yeah i always remember writing that song because i was not at home i was Uh not in my comfortable setting i I didn't even have my guitar with me i was staying in uh, düsseldorf another Uh city in in germany at the time with a friend just traveling through and i might have written a few lines in my lyrics book first with this one actually Mm -hmm. and then i grabbed his guitar and just kind of played around with a, you know, tuned tuned the the lowest E string down because I like alternate tunings. I, a lot of my songs are not in the standard tuning of a guitar. Uh-huh. And, yeah, just played late at night while I think they'd already gone to bed. Mm-hmm. Just in this place where it wasn't my living room. I was sleeping on the sofa. It wasn't my city. It wasn't my mm-hmm. guitar. But I like those moments when, when everything's a little different and new and, and can inspire you. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember writing the the verse because there are a lot of verses in that song. Uh, the chorus is somewhat short, comes in between. Um, and Yeah, so I would say like a more verse-focused uh, song mm-hmm. when, when I talk about songwriting. So I wrote quite a few of those verses right with the music and the lyrics, and they almost stayed exactly the same. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting looking at my lyrics book that I didn't, cross out too much I just changed a few things mm-hmm. uh, but it all came somewhat fluently and and quickly and I like that a lot when I'm in a that always shows that I'm in a good place and I'm in a flow and you know that's not necessary to write a good song but it's it's beautiful I always appreciate it when it happens to me because it feels like uh, it's almost some something else that's happening to me or like someone else writing the song because mm-hmm. I really don't need to put much work into it it just happens. Whereas on some parts, then you just sit for for days or weeks and try to figure it out. Or you right. can't find a line that sounds good and stuff. Uh, but this one flowed pretty, pretty well. That's
1: nice. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to write most of your songs or play most of your songs not in standard tuning? Like what was the deciding factor in that?
0: I think it's like how most art or maybe a lot of art at least happens. You get a little bit bored mm-hmm. with what you already know mm-hmm. so you know at that point when i got into alternate tunings i'd already played guitar for years and years and years mm-hmm. and i knew all the standard chord shapes and up the neck and whatever but then at some point it's just repeating itself and um it sounds a little bit well it sounds always the same but i think more so as i'm talking about this right now i think it's also that i listen to other people and other songs mm-hmm. i'm like whoa that
1: sounds different. this
0: sounds so cool and it doesn't sound like my guitar sounds like what's 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 Uh different and then we're like oh it's a different tuning because it is elementary to how a guitar sounds because if the same string is tuned to a different note even though you could play that note you know maybe on a lower string or something it's still the whole sound just changes it's like it's a different instrument some people think changing the, the tuning is just being able to play certain chords that you couldn't play with the standard tuning, but it's mm-hmm. really also that you just change the, the overall sound of the guitar because when you drop a lot of strings, then it just sounds warmer and richer and it has more bass. And yeah, it's just very different. Just like when you use a capo and you put it all the way up, it mm-hmm. can sound like a little mandolin or something. Mm, yeah. you know? And that can be really fun too. And I always, I always loved complex chords I'm not someone who loves just playing a pure G and a pure D and a pure C, and mm-hmm. that's all I use. I love added ninth and 7th and, and major chords. And there might be a little bit through my jazz background then too, but, but really a lot of good pop music has a little more rich and complex chords in it. And you can do that in a very nice way with different tunings on the guitar, and it just sounds a lot more interesting. And you can mm-hmm. just hold one chord and it's beautiful. And that's that's harder to do with a standard tuning.
1: So this is the lightning round uh-huh. of the interview. And you have to choose between two choices. I give you, let's say, beach or mountains. And then you should say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, okay. Try not to think about it. You know, just, just do it. You cool. know, okay. So, <clears throat> you ready? I'm ready. Breakfast or dinner? Breakfast. Playing in a room by yourself or playing in front of a crowd?
0: Hmm. Playing in a room by myself.
1: Oh, okay. Cheese or sushi.
0: Sushi. <laughs> Those are two very
1: different things. That's just I But some
0: people love both. Yeah. Or, well, yeah.
1: If it was my granddad, he would say neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, hmm. Ingo or Stahl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ingo, because it's, you don't have to weirdly pronounce it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and you can do
0: a lot of funny nicknames. Nice, yes, I like. I that. learned from you.
1: Yeah, ingus pingus I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that off. Um, Ingo Pingo. Okay. Water or fire? Fire. Earth or wind?
0: Isn't wind part of earth? <laughs> yeah, but they're two. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. The earth. Okay. Or wind. uh wind.
1: Noise or silence? Silence. Nice. Those are all the ones I could think of. Cool. So. Yay! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of like a really weird one, but nothing came to mind. And I think if I got too weird with it, it would get too weird. So we're just <laughs> not going to go there. So I wanted to add like a new segment too. It's called Song of the Week. So what's a song that you want to recommend to people to listen to for this week?
0: It uh, d- doesn't matter if it's like freshly released or Totally. Anything.
1: Whatever you want. No rules to it.
0: Okay. Then Hot Tears by Lee Volbeck. Okay. The, the guy that i just mentioned nice mm-hmm.
1: everybody check it out i'll we'll also link that below and then my suggestion for song of the week this week is going to be watch house the the band watch house and the song little world because i've been listening to that nice. a lot recently and i really like Gotta it check that out. yeah and i'm gonna check out your thank you so much for coming on today's episode and thanks for having me yeah it was really fun i i don't think we've ever sat down and talked extensively about your musical career and you know, your, your whole process and everything. So this is really exciting. Why
0: would you, the people now wonder, right? Why would you guys sit down?
1: Yes. you guys have to check out his stuff he's awesome um and it's just cool to hear a different unique perspective that we've not had on this episode and he's a really cool person so as i'm sure you've gathered from listening to this episode so uh thank you guys so much and thank you for coming on and go it was it was a, a pleasure to have you
0: well it was my pleasure thank you so much. yay thank okay you. we'll
1: see you guys next week bye, bye.